Episode 84 of Board Games with Variant Hex is all about our Game of the Month for November 2022. I'm Kelly, and in this episode, Adam, Aaron, and I talk about what we played, what we'd like to play again, and what our Game of the Month is for November 2022. Without further ado, I'll turn it over to Adam, Aaron, and myself talking about what we played in November. Remember, remember the end of November. I thought it was September. All of the burrs can kind of have a fun rhyme, though, right? Yeah, I think we just do this every month that ends in a ember. Until January. So Mm. be ready for whatever sort of epic rhyme you want for that. Right. You should probably be wary. Be wary. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if it's the same. All right. This is the November month in review, but game of the month episode. But we're going to do kind of the month in review. Talked about what we played. We'll have back to the table. What do we want to play again? We'll have collection, which continues to be awful on audio. What game is kind of the anti-game of the month? What do we absolutely not want to play again? And then finally, we'll talk about our game of the month. So starting with month in review, I log all my plays. And then because Aaron doesn't play solo games, I passively then am logging all of his plays as well. Anything that we play together. I had 37 game plays of... 29 games however board game arena wonderfully has my city on it but it only counted it as a couple game plays instead of the 24 plays that it actually was adam and i played through the legacy mode so really it's something more like 59 or 60 plays of 29 games aaron what did you how many games did you play i had 32 uh no 26 games 32 plays sorry my h index was not one for the first time in several months now i had five games i played two times so i was close to an h index of three jumping ahead just a little bit we are starting to play gloomhaven so the h index if we play one other game a bunch you know what i mean we're gonna have the potential for it to be higher adam what did you play this month so log any of these things in the same way that you guys are referencing these notes and schematics and data Mm -hmm. points um i played some stuff on bga not as much as other months so less we'll have a less than arrow (laughs) on bga but a greater than arrow in person because we saw each other in person so more real tangible games that is going to be my year recap (laughs) so i will list the games that I played, which in this scenario is going to capture everything Aaron played and a fair amount of things that Adam played as well, because we did meet up for a gaming weekend and didn't play a ton of things, but played some things. And then we played My City on BGA. So I'm going to start off with My City. I don't really know how to say the next one. Bog Chal? It's a Nepalese game that I, I backed on Kickstarter a while back, like a little folk game. Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion, Broom Service, Wicked and Wise, Mord Imarosa, So Clever, Just One, Twilight Inscription, Flamecraft, First Empires, Flip Ships, The Gardens, Can't Stop, Dice Hutterns of Therion, For Sale, Fun Facts, Ink and Gold, So You've Been Eaten, Dice Miner, Anubix, The Shipwreck Arcana, Bandata, Dice Stack, Draftosaurus, King Domino, Palm Island, and Strike. Anubix is the one that we played on Tabletop Simulator, where we had Aaron read the rules in German (laughs) and then try to translate it for us. He uh, took German back in high school, but he's remembered more of it than anybody that ever takes something in high school. He was still frustrated and wanted to study before we did it, but we were pretty sure that he'd be able to tell us enough. And Anubix was like a 
dice rolling kind of game. It wasn't anything too heavy. And we did make it through. I feel like there were some things that I would uh, pick up on or ask him further questions because I think of how I internalize rule books and then the pictures. I realized that I was like, well, what's this in the picture? Tell me what the text says about this picture. How much I do use those when I read rule books, I kind of wasn't even aware. Yeah, the pictures were crucial. And then there was also like three words that I definitely did not know, but they were basically the three words that were referring to the three main game areas. And once I realized that those words referred to were main they game like areas. Real things and other, like yeah. the names for like. Like one of them was like the Great Wall. Yeah. One of them yeah. was the pyramid section and so on right. and so forth. And that is the kind of thing to be like among the last things you would learn in a foreign language is yeah. like, what do they call that thing? When I, traveling using that other language, how do I say this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Unless I, you had specifically been studying to go to the Great Wall with a group of Germans. We did not study no. the the German historical perspectives on the Great Wall of China. No. And then uh, My City, uh, Broom Service, Wicked and Wise, Mortimerosa, So Clover, Flip Ships, well, and also For Sale and Ink and Gold and Anubix. Those are all games that we played together. Oh, Bandata, technically, Adam and I played very quickly yeah. on Board Game Arena. Uh, some of those were in person as well. Broom Service was, we had played it for the first time. It's an old game. I got it at um, Half Price Books. Yeah. We're all really liking it, I think. It was interesting, kind of different sort of card action game. You're moving around, you're trying to, you know, it's not quite pick up and deliver. It's more just kind of t moving resources around. The cards having two different kind of powers and you you basically had to declare your power. And then if someone had that same card in their hand, which is pretty likely, if you declared the big power, they could just be like, no, you don't get to do that. I declare the big power. Yeah. So like going last has a huge benefit. Yeah. And there's Only like one a risk person... reward mechanic that uh, I didn't do a very good job of des describing there, but people should read the rules and play for service. <laughs> it's pretty fun. Yeah. And it's an older game. It's just one that we hadn't ever got around to. But yeah. You could act bravely or cowardly. And if you do cowardly, the action's not as good, but you can guarantee that you'll be able to do it. And if you act bravely... You get to do a better, bigger action, uh, get more resources or get more bonuses advantage. But if someone else after you in the turn order has that card and also acts bravely, it's not that you get demoted to the cowardly action. You get to do nothing. So you have to decide. And there's also a thing where uh, you pick your cards for the round before the game start, before the round starts, before anyone anyone goes. You might want to play your cards in a very specific order. But if someone plays a card from your hand, you have to play it. And sometimes it becomes useless to you because you're like, oh, I needed to play a card to get this resource before I even use this card. So you do also have to stay flexible. There's kind of enough to do. It's not like the board locks you in in a way that's not, that's not possible. But it's very easy to get caught up in a specific plan and not kind of think about other alternatives that you might get forced into. I think the, the way the cards are played... It's a mechanic I haven't seen elsewhere, and it creates interesting thought puzzles and is fun. It's what I want wanted Colt Express to be. I feel like oh. this is the better version oh. where you plan your turn out, you kind of lay your cards out to some degree, but you have enough flexibility where you're not right. locked into just a bad set of cards that does nothing either. Oh. I think that's... That's how I looked at it when I played it. Like, this is what I've been waiting for. Instead of Colt Express, like where if you forget the cards you've played, you should just quit the round. Or if someone else just moves, you're just shooting at nothing. Because Cult Express, you're, it's a programming action game. 
but they actually leave your hand. So then you flip them over and all the actions happen. You're all these different characters on this train car, which is super adorable the way that it gets set up. But that means that as the cards get played, everybody moves around and ideally you're trying to like shoot other people and capture treasure. But sometimes they can like knock you into another train car. And now there's no treasure there and you have a treasure card and you can't pick anything up. So yeah, it I don't can mean you're playing with three programmers who maybe intuitively know those things a little better. <laughs> I don't know. Hypothetically. Yeah. Who yeah. Yeah. Say? Yeah. Not like a real world scenario. Just yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, for sure. So yeah, we, I think we all had a good time with broom service. Aaron, you and I played games at a new coffee house. Oh yeah. We went to a new coffee house here in the city. It was uh, downtown and we always go to the same one on Saturdays, but you know, it was a holiday weekend. Things were crazy, and we couldn't go to the coffee shop until Sunday. And Aaron told me there are no good coffee shops open on Sunday. And three minutes later, I found a good coffee shop that was open on Sunday. That's good by Aaron's standards, which are very, very high. So now we think it might be, it's, I think, not technically closer but to our house, but it's just as fast to get to. So now we have a couple options. The one on the north side also. Sometimes there's festivals and all kinds of hygiene. But they up have there. better tables. Well, I don't know. They they don't there was no super big table at this new coffee shop, but they had a more bar top kind of tables. And for a lot of games, especially two players, it's fine enough to sit on the same side of a table and have everything kind of oriented the same way for you instead of having to look someone's yeah. looking at something upside down. So I think honestly a bar kind of scenario, as long as it's deep enough, um, for two players, at times can be better than trying to be at a table where everything feels more out of reach or you're just not using, you know, the other side of the table anyway. But yeah, otherwise we played played games at the Airbnb that we all stayed at for our game weekend. And that was, you know, it was just a house. So it was a pretty normal place to, to play games. Did we, we played... play on the road at all? Do we, go, do we play on location? Mm, while we were I there think we probably oh. did. I don't I think thought we, we were played a game much. at the Greek restaurant. Oh, you know what? We played Fun Facts. Oh, you did. Yes, yes. Which is as light, silly of a party game as you can expect. Everyone, it's it's not always one to a hundred, but it's always a number that you write. Everybody has these little dry erase plastic, uh, like greater than symbols. Put your name on one side, you put your, your number on the other side so that it's concealed. And then you're trying to get those in order for whatever the question was. So it might be, one of them is like, how many hats do you own? So everyone put down the number of how many hats they think they own. And one by one, they place them in the center table. And as you take your turn putting in the center table, you try to put your tile where you think it should be numerically with everybody else. Like, do I own more hats than Aaron? Do I own less hats than Adam? I have to kind of decide. And whoever went first, when it gets back to them, they can shift theirs around and then you flip them over and you just score uh, cooperatively. I think it's a nice, it's a very good icebreaker game. It's still fun with people that you know really well. We did pretty well on it because the answers were somewhat straightforward for us, knowing one another well. But if you don't, they're pretty good get to know you questions. I think in that box, there's probably some that you don't want in the get to know you scenario. You only use eight questions the and rules I think you'd provide wanna... that you can put throw one out if, you, if people don't like it which just seems like there was a fight in the editing room of the card writing day and it's just like we'll just let them throw it away they don't have to do this so i think it still would be good especially if you're playing with maybe more mixed groups that uh, that could 
be uncomfortable to just go ahead and screen eight questions first. And also knowing, have like another little bay of eight off to the side. So that if someone's like, uh, let's skip this one. I don't want to, I don't want to talk about this. Then you can just throw that out, put a new one in. So, yeah. I feel like really sadly, I feel like 24 year old Aaron and maybe embarrassingly somewhat older Aaron could like imagine being upset that a card was thrown out where I had information, but people felt uncomfortable and it cost me the game. Like that seems a, like it's still with you. I mean, I, I don't feel very so present. I would do that. And I, I would not do that now. Uh-huh. Uh-uh. We totally believe you. What games were added to the collection? And this is going to be my collection. Adam, I don't, did you add any games to your collection? I added games to your collection. I know. <laughs> that's what I, I was, don't know. That's what I was. That. That's what I was going to say. Adam uh, was uh, became aware of a sale that was going on uh, out by him, and he sent the list because they had a very organized Google Sheets list of everything. So I was like, well, maybe these four new games, maybe these four used games. Like if you see them, then these. But I very much expected him to get 50% of those at most, but turns out they were all there. I'm not mad about it, but I was not expecting it. So then he was considering mailing them here. And I was like, you know, I've got enough games. Might as well just leave some out there for the next visit. Go ahead and take them back then. Um, So the games that Adam picked up for me, not technically the collection, but Dragon Castle, Ice Cool, Last Will, and Prodigal's Club. Those were all new and like super discounted. And then Lantern Dice, Ragusa, Whirling Witchcraft, and Battle Line used. Battle Line is shot and totten. Oh. But different, but the same. Um, Last Will and Prodigal's Club, I think the theme, I feel like those don't, they're not actually like a sequel. I don't know. Maybe they are. You're kind of trying to do the worst to win. And I think that's a fun idea. Lantern's Dice, we've played regular Lanterns before. This one is Dice. Um, I don't know a ton about the other ones, but uh, Dragon Castle, I have the app and I like it. Ice Cool, I think Aaron will like because we played Flip Ships while we were all together. And we liked that. Really, Aaron liked that so much that I bought a copy for ourselves here. And I also got Rolling Japan, Palm Island, Dice Hunters, Aetherion, Dice Stack, that Bog Chawl. And then uh, I'm not sure when Flamecraft and Everdell actually showed up. Both of those were a Kickstarter edition. Everdell is the really big, complete collection. Oh, we haven't played that yet. Oh, gosh. And I do want to actually play all of it. I spent, I don't think five hours is an exaggeration, getting all of the stickers and everything together. So I've spent so many hours in that game to have not played that game, like with that box. But uh, yeah, so that's those are all coming up for... Um, I think there's just a couple from last month still that we haven't played. I don't, we haven't played in the year of the dragon or Autobahn either. And then for games that are sold there, we had a podcast where we talked about what I was going to get rid of and Adam as well a while back. And there were some minor adjustments and I made a board game geek list for that. I will either update it or just put a link to it in the episode description for this one. So moving on to, that's kind of the business bit of this done, of reviewing the month. Now we go to back to the table. I'm going to pick Dice Miner. We oh, played yeah. it. I wanted to play it again that day. I think I said, let's play this again. I don't think we did. <laughs> no. But uh, very immediately want to play it again. It's 
drafting dice, but off of a stacking mountain-like setup where mm -hmm. there are rules on which you take. You can't just take any die mm -hmm. off of that. I thought that was interesting. And then lots of rolling. Yeah. You're picking specific types of die that will hopefully suit your play style for the game. There's some asymmetric um, powers you'll get mm -hmm. with the character you have. I uh, don't normally love that, but it seemed very fitting in this. Uh, had a great time. Good fun all around. Yeah. Dice Miner is a, is a legit fun game. Yeah, I think the asymmetric, since you're all drafting off this same mountain, there's like five or so different kinds of dice. I think if you didn't have asymmetric abilities, it might make people tend a little more towards the same thing all the time. So mm -hmm. it kind of pulls people's objectives away, and they still will sort of intersect in ways that you don't always expect where two people do in fact want the exact same dice. So you have to deal with what happens when someone takes your thing. And you keep adding dice, and then you like re-roll them every round. So you draft them, keep them, and you roll all of them again and keep using them in the next round. So you're kind of building up this total collection uh, as time, like a demographic of dice. Yeah, I, I like dice mining. And you can give dice to their players if you roll certain the, icons, mm -hmm. which I think is interesting. That mechanic of who are you going to give that to? Right. You know, it could be you, could be Jason. It'll never be Aaron. So, you no. know, it's hard to say. No, and he'll complain about it. That's why it's my favorite game. He'll think that it's premeditated. I mean, it, it is. He just said so on the podcast. It's not, though. <laughs> It's not. What do you want to get back to the table? So um, I, I think I'm going to go with like just the obvious answer. We started Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion, and I would like to get through it. So I'd like to get it oh. back to the table. Now, um, quite honestly, which I already showed Adam as we started the before we started the recording here, it's not off the table. We set up a table so that we could just leave it out as we keep playing through it. So I don't know that we'll be playing much of any other game together at home until we're done we're going to try to get it finished by christmas honestly which is a pretty pretty much a solid month from now from when we're recording um so yes that back to the table but it it still has not left the table mine that i would like to get back to the table is flamecraft oh that's i mean that's a good game i've heard people kind of say like maybe it's not a great game i've heard some people say that and honestly they said it more aggressively than that and I, I think they're wrong. I think it's fine. I think it may be something where the look of it versus the actual gameplay, maybe some people find there to be a mismatch there. But I think I think it was great. Some people said that like it's too confusing as to how you're meant to activate the dragons versus like improve the shop. I, I don't agree with that. Aaron and I have played it twice and haven't had any issues with that. So The one thing I'll say is we sometimes forget to put the new shops out. Oh, yeah. And yeah, there's yeah, not yeah. like a real keen thing to tell you like, yeah, do that right now. Yeah, that's true. It's kind of like the wanting. If you stop doing it, you stop having places to put your dragon. And then you're cards. like, oh, I think we should have two more of these out. So then you do have to like go back and check how many shops are filled and how many should be out there. And really the ones you pull out are more powerful. I think, than the starting ones. Especially the expansion ones. So I think that we made it a little more difficult of a game by having lower powers a little longer into it. But overall, I think it's super cute, and I would like to play it a little more to see, like, maybe is it all charm? Like, am I kind of just being hoodwinked? I don't know there's, why that word came to mind. But. There's a lot of charm in the game, but I think there's some substance, too. 
And I, I think it's a, a game that has more than two or three viable strategies that can compete mm. against one another. And I and always like that. That's what I can't tell at all. But yeah, there were a lot of good games this month. But I think that that one's just kind of sticking out for me. But it, it was hard to pick uh, back to the table. All right. So then for collection, was there a game that you played this month that you think like, nah, I don't know. I don't really, I, I wouldn't want it in my collection or I'm not really interested in playing it again. Sure did. That Wisdom and Wise game. Oh, yeah. Wicked and Wise. Yeah. Wicked and Wise. Oh. Ugh. We played Ugh. it four players, which I think is the right number. And we talked about it for a while afterwards. We were saying that if this was one of a few games that your friend group had, and you kind of took this to the, you know, maybe to the brewery, and on a Friday night you all played it, or um, such and such has a patio, and you guys all sit out on their patio, and you play Wicked and Wise in a way that you everybody knows the game well, and they get some depth to it, and they get some familiarity with these dragon or mice players because it's it's not spades, but it's that type of card game where you have a partner, and there's an opposing set of partners, and you're trying to achieve something and sort of mess up the other set of partners. But the first playthrough, it is. It's not intuitive, really. And you kind of, until you see all the cards and see everything that can kind of happen, you don't really have the full concept of the game. I don't think the rules help you with that. And there are so many different little decks of cards to keep straight yeah. the first time you play it. You know how good of a game Spades is? Is it? Oh, delightful. You don't okay. even need... Okay. Adam says, so-so. Aaron says, great. I oh. haven't really played Spades at all. Maybe a, maybe a couple times in my whole life. So... Can't really speak to it, but that's a traditional playing card game. And we're seeing more trick-taking games show up in new and different ways in board gaming. And this is another one of those. I think that the game design, I think that it is fine and maybe even a good game, but I don't think it's a good game to just play once every once in a while. I think it should be one of the few games. It's more. I think it'd be best if it's one of the few games you own or... If you have a friend group that just goes in deep on this game, I think you're going to get more value out of it. We left it at the Airbnb. So we only hope that the next people that come, maybe that's where they spend their weekend. Maybe they get wicked and wise. Yeah. I think for me, I wanted to say for sale so I could make a joke about how my collection game was for sale. But actually, oh. that game wasn't that bad. Oh, um, <laughs> I was gonna, like, I thought it was all right. That was on BGA because we don't yeah. technically own that one. I'm going to go with Palm Island. And it was a cute Ooh. little concept. Yeah, it's a game like they're like, oh, you can play it anywhere, but like, and you can, you have to play it in your palm, but like, you you must play it in your palm, and it's fiddly, and so I thought it was clever, and I don't need to play it again. Right, I this was very close to my back to the table game because I I've been thinking back to the palm, back to the palm. I've been thinking about playing it solo to see like we played it two player cooperative technically. We weren't really up to the cooperative challenge because it's hard to understand exactly how your deck is meant to work. You have a deck of cards, they're in a set order. Like you shuffle them, but then they stay in that order. And then you're kind of just using the first card. They're two-sided. You're just using the first uh, couple cards for their action or their ability. And then you're moving things to the back. You can get resources by turning a card sideways. You use those resources by turning the card back up in line with the rest of the deck. But even when you turn it sideways, it also, it doesn't just like stay in the front because now it's a resource. It also stays in its position in the deck. So it gets a little tricky to be holding your resources in a way that you can see them. You can only have 
as many as four, and honestly, it'd be hard to manage more than four. Be impossible. Holding those in a way that you can see them, but they still stay in their place in the deck, and you're still cycling through the deck in your hand. It, it's the first time we'd ever done it, so because it's such a unique way to hold and use a deck of cards, maybe with a few more plays, it'd be like, oh, I obviously know how to hold this now. This isn't an issue. But the first time... I know I made some mistakes and I was like, well, now that's just the new order that this is in. Um, And some of those things, I think if you were to get better at it, you want to be manipulating your deck a little bit so the right resources are showing up at the right time. But the first time you play, you're so unfamiliar with really the four different things on every card. There's kind of a top and bottom, front and back. Yeah, and you you upgrade your card by rotating and flipping. You're only ever concerned with half of one side of the card. Yes. And as you're suggesting, it's very unclear what the upgrades are. And then you want to, like, turn the card and flip it over, but you're also holding all the colors just so. And it's, 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 ugh. Yeah. Everyone's going to miss your awesome hand motions on that, Aaron. By the way, I enjoyed it. It'll be fine. <laughs> all the trying to manage all the cards, the, the action you were doing. I, I feel like, yeah. I feel like it I was put, very I, infomercial. I put a pause in there. I feel like everyone got it. I don't know. <laughs> Just imagine slowly dropping a deck of cards for about a half hour. Can the, can the cover for this episode be like my disgusted face? No. <laughs> no, it cannot. Oh, and so my... My collection game, not because it's a bad game, but I just actually thought about not keeping our copy of it. And Aaron told me, no, we're keeping it, is King Domino. Oh, I like King Domino. That's exactly what you said to me and that you wanted to keep it. I I also like it. It's on Board Game Arena. And I, maybe I shouldn't lean so heavily into the availability of games being on BGA, determining what physical copies that I keep. But I do like playing it on BGA, I think, more than in person. Day owns BGA now, which I think is going to give a little more longevity to it than maybe if it was still independent, even though that's, you know, kind of good news, bad news some ways for uh, independent sites like that. I still like the game. I still think it's good. I only was going to call it from our collection because of that availability. I've done the same thing with games like Nidavellir. That was one. Glow was another one that showed up on BGA. And I was like, that's probably going to be good enough. And with this big call, I got our games down to down into the 200s. And I want to push it a little lower because, you know, there's still, I got eight games at Adam's house, if nothing else. I think what's, you, you just kind of brought up a thought that I've never, I've never had before, which is interesting that you will like be okay to call King Domino but even to this day, you want the physical title when you buy a Switch game. Switch games don't take up much space. You know how many Switch games I can fit in a King Domino box? <laughs> I mean, I'd have to do a math problem to find out. It's it's a lot. A lot. It's a, a lot. lot. Video games, always a digital medium. Board games, both digital and physical these days. With games already being digital, I like having the physical copy because of the way the eShops and those sort of things work, how much you ever really do own something or not, the ability to sell it as well. I don't really sell much anymore. I usually don't buy it until I know I want it and intend to keep it. But those are all things that sort of factor in. I'm getting less so that because the world is pushing against having physical copies of video games in in a lot of ways. But yeah. I know that one of your motivations was like being able to know that you could always play it so long as you take care of it. And I think, you know, BGA doesn't provide that. And I thought, I hadn't really thought of it until you just brought it up. No. And that's why I kind of state the longevity that I believe from it. Yeah. It's also at this point, it's, it's not going to be hard to find another copy of King Domino. 
No. It might get a little weirder if I am picking games that are far less popular and then getting rid of them because they're on. Nidavellir might be interesting some years on. But let's I, let's I, focus on I more positive games, like the yeah, game of the month. Like the game of the month, exactly. I'll do my game of the month. I I think you maybe just don't like it. Uh, oh, I I out of respect for you, I didn't pick it for my collection. What is it? Mordimorosa. Oh no, I oh. do really like that game. I do <sighs> really like that game. What is your game of the month? So you've been eaten. Oh no, I don't like it at all. There you go. Uh there you go. It's a two play. It's zero, one, or two players. I'm gonna try the zero player where you just play the two AIs against one another. Uh, I'll be playing the one player, it seems, with, uh, you can either be the miner or the uh, monster creature. The idea is that you have been sent to get, like, these gems that the monster has eaten that are, like, really expensive. But you're just, like, a foot soldier working for a big kind of uh, soulless corporation. You are playing, when you play two player, you are playing completely different roles that are like against each other, but it's not like directly, it's not like battle line. It's not like you're here, I'm here, I have more. The miner's trying to work through the creature. The creature is trying to mount like bacteria defenses against the miner. So each of them has like an immediate win condition. But if you don't reach either of those, then there's a number of points. I think that the asymmetry is done really well. I like the balance of what each character is able to do. When Aaron played it, he played as the miner and did not care for the dice manipulation action selection that came with it. The uh, creature or monster is a lot more passive in what they're actually able to do. And yeah, the miner is a lot more active in what they're trying to accomplish. So I think it is a lot. It's different choices, certainly. And I... I don't know if I necessarily say it's always harder choices for the minor, but I uh, almost backed that game on Kickstarter and then didn't. And then I happened to see it somewhere in a store. Maybe it was at our regular game store. I can't remember and bought a copy. It doesn't make me regret not backing on Kickstarter because there wasn't too much extra in there. There's just like a little cardboard dice tower that you could have gotten and maybe some upgraded tokens. If it had had like one of those rollout boards like uh, Flamecraft or Royal Visit, then I, I I wish it had that. But it's just a it's just a regular cardboard board. So yeah, that's my game of the month. I played a lot of really good games this month, but I I felt like I wanted to pick that because I don't know that I will end up talking about it otherwise. And I think that it was really well done. A lot of the other games I think will come back up uh, more likely to come back up, especially this one being one that Aaron doesn't even like. Um, I think I was gonna. I was kind of having a hard time deciding between Flamecraft and another game. Uh, Flip Ships. I had an absolute blast yeah. playing Flip Ships. I didn't even really want to play it when we played it. I didn't share that with you all. Oh no, I think you did what? emotionally. <laughs> oh, we well, knew. Uh, it was pretty clear. And then, like, what were you cranky about? Was it the game we played before? Was it Wicked and Wise that you were cranky about? Or oh, I thought I was or in, dice miner. No, I, were you mad about dice miner? I thought because no one a, was cheersing you. I thought it was in a fit of delight the whole day. Okay, that wasn't Ooh. it. So, if you could add any more clarity, probably dice miner. Dice miner. Yeah, you have a way of being personally insulted by dice. Yeah, I think we shouldn't focus on that anymore. But talk about oh, okay. the amazing game that is flip ships. Yeah. Uh, three, three, three flips in, and I was hooked. It's uh, a, a <laughs> that's a back of the box. I've never heard it. It's, <laughs> It, it, it's a super interesting mechanic. 
I liked, like, in addition to, like, doing the small flips where you're trying to, like, knock out the ships that you also have to go for the mothership. I like that there's more than one way to flip the ships. And, you know, we all had different strategies. And I got to watch, you know, you guys flip one way and I flipped a different way. And uh, I would put that back on the table anytime. It's Takes a cooperative game that I feel like has none of the downsides of a cooperative game. Yeah. Oh, it's a cooperative game I like, so... I don't know how many cooperative dexterity games there are. Oh, yeah, I don't know. But I think it feels more like being on a sports team. Yeah. Because you're all trying to get this thing done, and when somebody, you know, makes a flip and it's just perfect, everyone gets excited, like... And I think we were playing it. It was one of, like, the last things we played at night. I think we were all winding down in energy maybe overall i feel like uh depending on when you play that who you play that with it i imagine we were at maybe like a six i imagine that game gets to like a 10 i mean there were some shouts of glory right yeah. before we we died in infamy uh it was pretty fun if we, and I also like if we play that early in the day we're yeah. we're paying to replace a people i think yeah uh, yeah it, it was an airbnb the so. uh yeah. The ship upgrade process alone, just how like, you know how I've never been so excited to get an additional cardboard circle. This cardboard circle has powers. I do think like I like that it is just cardboard because of what you're because of what you're doing. That's very practical. But it would be cool if they were more ship like mm. but like i don't think there's actually a, i wouldn't want the next you know if they release a second edition i'm not saying i really would want the ships to be different i think it would change the gameplay um there's some other uh kind of nicer pieces in it the copy that adam has came with like nice little containers to keep all the ships in which is which yeah. is pretty yeah that's like i think that's like a container store visit to get something yeah. like that for our copy I did not like it as much as you, but you liked it so much. Yeah, I loved it a ton. I'm gonna go with the drop drop game that has a more that's a fancier French name. What what is it again? The drop drop game. We drop the pieces oh, in. Oh, more de Morosa. Yeah, that's the one. Yes, oh, that's uh, the one I famously more de Morosa. Correct. Yeah, more M like I am Arosa, and it's like death at the Arosa Hotel or something like that. The themes of you know, eh. Uh, it's a bit. It's a bit dark. There has been a murder. The general concept is you have this tower of increasingly smaller boxes stacked mm -hmm. on top of each other, and you drop cubes in the top, and each player has a different colored cube, and you're trying to guess. There's several elements of the game. The major mm -hmm. element is you're trying to guess what floor people are on yeah. by listening when it drops on how many floors it hits. Yeah, and I think. It's so unique of a concept. I don't know anything like it. Yeah. It's just, it's one of a kind in that way. We had a blast playing it when you and me and, and Jason, Jason played it. Like, yeah. It was so much fun. When you're wrong, it's exciting because you're like, how could there be no one here? Right. I heard three drops every time. Right. Or you go to, you pick up a floor because you kind of reveal throughout the game that's part of it. Mm -hmm. You drop things in and have to guess which four people are on. Mm -hmm. And that does stuff. You know, mm -hmm. they made a good game with other elements. But yeah. but when you get that reveal of a bunch of people are on there, no one's on there, yeah. it's very exciting. In the story of it, you're these investigators in a murder in a hotel. So when you're dropping your cubes in, it's kind of like the floors you've been on in the hotel. And that's the same for everybody else. So when you go to investigate a certain floor and you kind of take this cardboard tower apart, because each one is just a box of uh, increasing size and it has a little uh, the same size hole in every uh in every floor of this tower that you make so when you go to investigate one 
even if when you dropped it in there, you were like so confident, it might just go through a floor or two and not hit anything. And then it still sounds higher up than it is. When you open it up and you just like, you really need someone else's cube to be there because otherwise you have to keep putting more of your cubes back in the tower. No matter how skilled you think you are at this, at some point you are opening a floor at random. And if you open a floor at random and it's like everybody's on that floor, it is just, and the same thing happens if you open one up where you're just so confident that someone's going to be there and there's just no one. Like That's, that's what happens to me. You all keep... Every time. But I don't, you, every time is the one time you played, you had a horrible attitude about it. I played by myself first just to try to understand the rules, like drop things in, make sure everything was working right. I got a used copy that, you know, somehow it wasn't wonky. And in playing both sides, you know, then I had both sides of luck because I was trying to find them every time anyway. Everybody, like you start playing, you think you're just going to listen. And then as you keep going, everyone's like, turning their head and tilting their ear closer and closer to the tower. But like, it's not, it's really not going to matter. You can have some good guesses, but it is still pretty random. And just like the dice, Aaron can't stand it. Can't stand that it's just a little bit random because every negative thing is then something slanted against him. So I enjoyed playing it also with Adam and Jason because Aaron told me like, oh, I hate this. I'm never playing it. It was a game that I wanted to get for a long time. I'm glad that taking it outside of the household putting it up in front of a couple other people it was sort of like am I the only one who likes this like is this a very niche kind of thing or is this does this have some wider appeal and I think it is another game that if I got the rules down a little better could be very fun to introduce to just anyone because you are you're dropping cubes in the top and listening like even the theme's not great for kids but even for kids it's pretty it's not really dexterity and it's pretty like just fun of a toy that you're collectively playing with and i will say in spite of my irrational frustration with the game it's a pretty fun concept yeah it's i don't even know who won i couldn't really tell you a lot of the other mechanics of the game like not that they it still matters i'm sure to someone but (laughs) like it's fun enough on its own like just the the act of listening and guessing it's it's three negative points if you're on the same floor as the dead person Adam. Cool. Yeah, at the end of the game, it does go in two phases. You're trying to find where the murders happen, where the victims are. And then after that, you're trying to find clues from the other investigators to kind of accuse them of being the ones on the floor. So at the end, it does all go to points. Um, it's not like a thing where it's just something about what gets revealed instantly has a winner or a loser. So you keep track of where things were found throughout the game. And whoever kind of has the most cubes around the victims, it loses. They're kind of believed to then be the murderer. And whoever has the least amount of cubes is like the master investigator or something. That's the person who technically won the game. The person with the highest score or most around the victims is the person who technically lost the game. And then everyone else, I guess, just was also at the hotel. Yeah, it's good fun. Yeah. Any any. Um, kind of shout outs to other games that weren't particularly mentioned, but you have a word or two to say about them. I like Dice Hunters of Therion as a game. Yeah, in our last episode, we talked about Dice Hunters of Therion and Dice Stacks. Dice Stacks, I mean, listen to the episode. Um, that was our coffee shop games that we played. We had a lot of fun playing So Clover together. I'm very bad at So Clover, but I still have fun. I mean, So Clover <laughs> might as well be called The Other People in the Game Group Complain About Aaron's Clues. Well, we 
wouldn't want to call it that. I mean, you could oh, you could justify it. They are such arg us. I don't think it's us that's just complaining. I think anyone would complain. Well, I, yeah, I'm not meaning to not take ownership of the we problem. We just happen to be the ones playing. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't say you all. I said the other people, the other general people. It is super fun, though. Yeah, I think we kind of sung its praises on something else. And you guys alluded to it just a little at the top, but but like my city, the campaign is fun. Try it. Yeah, especially on BGA now, it's. I think it's one. It might be one of the premium games, so you'd have to be hard to find a stranger, or maybe it's super easy because maybe someone else has premium and they want to play the whole thing, and and they don't they don't have anyone to play it with them. Twenty four games is the whole um, is the whole legacy, and you can play the eternal mode on there as well. So this, I hope every legacy game in the world goes on BGA after playing that one. Like they did such a good job of yeah. it just picks up where you were last. Well, that playing. that was really surprising because I thought that I was going to have to. We played a little bit, but like didn't save it or anything. We just closed it. So I thought when I made a new, I was like, oh, we only played two games. We'll just start at the beginning again and play those again. But when I started a legacy game with myself and Adam, it knew that we had already played two and it just, it put us into the next game in the legacy. That was really surprising. I didn't expect that. And you know, the campaign for that's pretty easy. The rules do change though. And like the scoring keeps changing. So it probably isn't that much easier to code, but the game itself is pretty straightforward polyomino tile laying. And it was done really well. There's a lot of different polyomino games on BGA. They don't all move and flip and turn the those shapes in the same way necessarily um but this i felt like it was done really well very like just clear to play easy to play now i didn't try it on my phone i was playing on desktop the whole time so i don't know kind of what the experience is like Thank you so much for listening to episode 84. Be sure to subscribe to know when new episodes drop. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch at Variant Hex. We have a website and a blog at VariantHex.com, and you can email us at podcast at VariantHex.com. The next episode will be a review of a holiday or at least seasonally themed game. I'm not sure what order they'll come out just yet, but there will probably be four of them in total. If you're listening to these in reverse, you have 83 more episodes headed your way. The next one being the same three of us talking about Century Spice Road and the related games liked by fans, according to Board Game Geek. And that's all for now. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today.